CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Don Hewitt. And hello, Saskatchewan. We are going to have a huge mammoth show today. It's Don Hewitt along with operator Nick Kazmar joining you today on Sports Cage. Nick is the pride of Ituna, Saskatchewan. Ballsy is uh, back in the Sports Cage big chair tomorrow. And Ballsy is up in a few minutes as well because of all this uh, breaking news we have on Sports Cage. And don't forget, Sports Cage is brought to you today by Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and get 15 free spins on the slot machine for a chance to win $1 million. Call or text us today at 306-936-6262 or toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Of course, call or text 306-936-6262. The text line powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. And don't forget... All our guests, uh, well, we'll be talking to them on the Western Pizza Hotline. For Western Pizza, order the Rough Riders Sweet Deal from Western Pizza, and you and a friend could be watching a Rider game from a luxury suite. So huge news from Riderville and Saskatchewan's practice this afternoon as they prepare for Saturday night's uh, must-win game against the Calgary Stampeders. Saskatchewan Rough Rider head coach Craig Dickinson telling the media at practice this afternoon that Mason Fine will be starting at quarterback for Saskatchewan, not Cody Fajardo. For the second straight day, Mason Fine's getting first-team reps out. Yeah. Is, is he going to be your starter this week? Yeah, we're going to go with Mason. Um, we need a spark. Uh, we feel like Mason's done a good job, you know, staying ready and getting ready. Something crazy going on back there, but... Yeah, Mason's going to be our starter. Cody's going to be our number two this week. Uh, are they both going to get time under center? Yeah, they are. They're both going to play. Um, I'm going to leave it up to Coach Moss how he wants to do it. But we're going to we're going to use them both. We're going to need all 45 of our guys this game to win the game. When did you when did you tell Cody this, and how did he take? Well, we we talked to the quarterbacks last week. We thought long and hard over the bye about. Sorry, I'm looking around behind me, expecting to get run over here. Uh, we thought long and hard over the bye what we were going to do, and we. We had a plan, but we weren't 100% sure. But we did talk to the quarterbacks, told them what we were planning on doing, that we were planning on going with Mace, but to give us day one to confirm. Um, and they were both good with it. Cody's a he's a warrior. He wants to play, but he understands. And he said, you know, if you need me to be the backup, I'll be the best backup I can possibly be. What does Mason bring that he can provide that spark you guys are looking for? Well, we just need to be better on offense. We're not scoring, scoring enough points. Uh, we need to score more. And um, that that involves all of us, but we feel like maybe with a, a different quarterback, we can give teams a little different look and hopefully score a few more points. Is it a reflection on Cody on the performance of Cody? Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. But the reality is, we're two and nine in our last eleven, so we got to score more and we got to play better. Um, but we've been happy with Cody. He's done everything. He's a warrior. Uh, we just felt like, hey. We need to see what Mason could do, and uh, now's as good a time as any to put him out there. Yesterday you told us you anticipated him starting. 
Yeah, and there, here's the thing is is we we were probably 95, 99% sure what we were going to do, but we didn't know. We wanted to see Mason with the first team. We wanted to see how he handled the calls uh, before we made the decision. But we we knew what we were going to do. We just had to confirm it. Does the fact that you don't control your playoff destiny factor into the decision? A little, but it's mainly just we got to win, win games. So we're willing to do anything and everything right now to try to win a couple games, and hopefully uh, it's enough. We don't know if it's going to be, but we need to find some answers, and we need to find them fast. Does the extra day to confirm who's going to start, uh, was that intended at all to maybe throw a wrinkle at Brother Dave and the staff in Calgary? Not really, because I, I really believe they're, you know, they read the same stuff that you guys put out and that you guys do, so I'm sure they've got a plan for the both of them. Um, but it never hurts if they got if they got a way today to figure it out. Greg, what have you seen from Cody just throughout the season that has led up to this moment? Nothing more than it's more of a team decision. We're just not scoring enough. I think we're seventh or eighth in points, and we've got to find a way to put more points on the board. So we've made a lot of changes up on, on the O-line, receiver, running back, and this is just another change. It's a big one. I know it's newsworthy, but it's not anything more than we need a spark. we got to find a way to score a few more points, and maybe Mason helps us do that. We know Cody's in a contract here. What does this say about his future with this team? Uh, I don't think it says anything one way or the other. You know, he he knows that he's got great value, that he's he's a he's an important part of this team. Um, I'm sure the year hasn't gone as as well as he's expected it, or I have. Um, so there'll be some there'll be some t- conversations after the year, and we'll go from there. But this is more of a hey, let's find a way to get a spark, see if we can win a couple games. So this afternoon at practice, Cody Fajardo uh, did take second team reps. He took no reps. Yesterday, uh, when Fajardo talked to the media this afternoon, well, you know what? He seemed a little bit surprised that he's not starting. Your thoughts on that development? Yeah, uh, obviously difficult for me, but I'm here to support the team. And two weeks left and try to do everything we can to win football games and whatever they're going to ask me to do. Um, and if I even get some playing time in the game, I'll be ready. I'll be prepared. I'm preparing like I'm the starter. Uh, the only thing is when you're the captain of a ship and it's going down, you want to go down with it. And that's the only thing that's unfortunate is I'm not going to be able to be out there with my guys uh, to finish out the year. Um, and it's tough, but I'm going to be there to support Mason. And he's got a great opportunity to seize the moment, seize an opportunity. Um, it's tough being uh, the starting quarterback for a team that uh, didn't live up to our expectations. I feel like uh, you kind of take that negativity and, and if you want to make a splash or a big change to get a spark, you, you bench the quarterback. And uh, I'm, I'm a casualty of it, and it's going to be tough standing on the sideline for the first time in a long time. But uh, that doesn't take anything away from what I'm going to do to support the players on this team, uh, grind in the in the you know workouts and watching film. So that's, uh, that's where my head's at. What was your reaction when he told you this? I'm going to discuss it last week. Upset. Yeah, I was upset. I was frustrated. Um, I just felt like uh, we have a, we have a good opportunity still. We're not quite out of it. Um, but uh, he said he wanted to make a change and, and wanted to see what Mason can do. Uh, he made it apparent to me that it wasn't a performance issue. So, um, you know, I felt like the last over the last couple of games, I wish we had scored more points. But uh, in terms of playing capabilities, I felt like I, I laid everything on the line. And I'm going to continue to do that for the next two weeks and, and see what happens after that. Um, the coach said that he wanted to do something to spark you guys. Do you feel like this is the type of spark you should have done? Uh, it's his decision, and that's why he's the head man. Um, I feel like this spark term is is only used with quarterbacks, and you can't change out a 
a defensive back or a linebacker or a lineman or a running back, that doesn't create anything. If you change the quarterback, it's a, usually what creates a spark, right? Um, I've heard it over the years many times. I've been a part of it, uh, and I've seen other people be a part of it, and it just always seems like the quarterback is the spark situation. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm going to disagree because I want to be out there with my guys, but uh, it gives Mason a great opportunity to go out there and uh, and play and try and earn a spot. You know, um, obviously there's a lot of stuff up in the air in this offseason, and uh, hopefully I'll I'll be right there with them to help them out any way I can, and hopefully we can win this football game. It's a contract year for you. What do you think this means to your future in the league? Uh, I hope you know there's somebody out there that might still want me, and I, I don't think it's the end of the Cody Fajardo football book. I think it might just be the end of a chapter. It's uh, it's tough to say. You never know, but um, you know it's difficult to go out like this uh, and to not you know your last home game not be able to start, and you have no idea what's going to happen in the off season. But uh, I love everybody in this building, and this organization gave me an opportunity to play, and uh, the first really organization who gave me a lot of you know confidence and pride, and and took pride in me and so uh, it's bittersweet and uh, it's going to be a tough difficult off season that I got to think and take time with my wife I got a baby now um, so got to take a lot of things into account but uh, I don't think my playing days are over and I hope I can stay uh, in the CFL for for more years to come did he tell you during the bye week is that when you found out uh, I found out on Friday um, going yeah right after the bye week how hard is it to stand here and be the, be the second guy when you're so used to being the guy uh, it gives me a lot in perspective, you know, practice wise, it was actually, you know, seeing different things. It, it almost helps you a little bit more to stand from the back and kind of see things that uh, another person is doing. Um, and Mason has been great. He's been great uh, these last two practices. And, you know, I'm trying to do everything I can just to give him my experience and my influence. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it'll be most difficult on the game um, coming out of the tunnel and, you know, not taking the field and knowing that you're healthy and you can play. Um, I haven't been in this situation since, uh, uh, with 2018, so it's been a long time, but uh, I, I know this role, and I've, I've been in this role before, and um, and I'll be the best damn backup that this team uh, needs for these last two weeks, and see what happens after that. Was it a big surprise anymore either? Yeah? I'm not wearing my brace. Yeah, what do I got to lose now, right? Uh, kind of mentality, and uh, it was unfortunate that everyone thought I was taking a vet day after a bye week. Uh, yeah. I played through a lot worse, and uh, some people were hounding me for taking a day off, but um, yeah, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give everything I have, like I have the last four years um, and give everything I got to this organization and like I said you know all I can keep saying is we'll see what's in the future for me but uh, you know I'm excited about the opportunities ahead was Last it a big question. was it a big so the big question is well clearly and obviously is this the beginning of the end for Cody Fajardo as the starting quarterback for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders well in a few minutes we're going to talk to the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders Michael Ball and get his take on all the big news uh, from Ryderville this afternoon. Sports Cage continues. In so now Stanton, 1 for 12 in this series, 2 for 5 in his career with a homer off Savali. A drive to right center field, back near the wall, and gone! So much power in that direction for Giancarlo Stanton. He had 31 during the season. This is his second of this series. And the Yankees jump on Savali in the first and take a 3-0 lead. 
Giancarlo Stanton helping his New York Yankees eliminate the Cleveland Guardians yesterday. And it's a quick turnaround for the Yankees. They start the ALCS tonight in Houston against those Houston Astros. So that was a three-run shot from Giancarlo Stanton. And he is today's Sports Cage Clutch Performer. For Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Called 781-1077. And thanks to the good folks at Nick's Service uh, for sponsoring Clutch Performance. Always a, a great call on Clutch Performance. Uh, joining me on the road back from Grand Forks, North Dakota, where the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Michael Ball, was visiting his son, Ethan, who, of course, plays for the University of North Dakota Fighting Hawks. And the news is breaking, and we got a text, Ballsy, as you drive back, that uh, you've Something to the effect that you've got to get a hold of Ballsy to talk about this was the text. So what what's your take on what happened this afternoon in Ryderville with a Mason Fine taking over from Cody Fajardo as Saskatchewan starting quarterback Saturday night in Calgary? The first thing I want to say is, can I have some time off? Like, I'm like no, I'd exactly. love to just I'd love to just have some time off where we don't have any drama. You know what, Don? You've been around longer uh, covering this football team than me. Now, we've had things, the uh, 13th man, Greg Marshall getting fired after eight games, uh, the Travis Smith thing, uh, Katie Williams and Henry Newby over the years. But we've never had all of it in one year. Like, this is – I don't know, man. I, I can only go – like you said, I was away in North Dakota, so I am not close to the situation being that I was there in practice or anything like that. But there are two games left to go in the year. You have an opportunity to still make the playoffs when you host the Grey Cup. Now, I know it's still a long shot, but you, it's not like the Hamilton Tiger Cats are a juggernaut like they've been the last two years. They very well could lose one of those games. And you could win two games against Calgary. Is it a long shot? Yes. But you can't win two if you don't win one. Who, Don, I'll ask you a question. Who gives you the best chance to win a game? Cody Fajardo or Mason Fine? Well, when I was listening to the coach uh, explaining the move, uh, you know, he talked about we're not scoring. Uh, I mean, obviously they get into the red zone and touchdowns just aren't, aren't coming. And I honestly believe that the coaches took a long look at this situation over the bye week, and they honestly decided at this point of time and the way Mason Fine has been practicing, and by the way, he's been practicing very well, throwing the ball very well at practice, and I think they honestly decided we, in our opinion at this point as a coaching staff, uh, we believe we have a better chance to win with Mason Fine right now and Cody Fajardo, I think that that's that's what they've decided. Yep. That's what they believe. And I texted Coach Craig Dickinson on my drive here uh, because I wanted to get any goods that I could bring up on the radio. Uh, everybody knows we have a close relationship, and he said we want to get more points. We feel this yep. is the spark we need. We've changed out everybody else. So, like he said, and if he if he'd give me the straight goods, he'd give me the go like some stuff behind the scenes. He'd tell me I could go to air with it. He told me the same thing. He told our reporter Blaine Wyland and all the other reporters at practice. I believe this. I believe this is it for Cody Fajardo. I believe his confidence is shot. I believe the riders believe his confidence is shot. My words, not theirs. 
I believe they think that Mason Fine probably gives them the best chance to win. Cody doesn't like to hear that. Um, Cody's been a stand-up guy. He played at an MOP level in 2019 with a very good offensive line in front of him. So let's not all of a sudden think Cody Fajardo isn't a good quarterback. I think he is a good quarterback. Can you win with him? Well, we haven't yet. I think he could be a guy you could win with if you had all the right pieces around him. Problem is, I, I just think right now his confidence is shot, and they've decided, like you said, Don, to go in a different direction. But I do think it spells the end for Cody Fajardo. This is the end. Uh, and I, I'm looking at this, man. There are two games left with a chance to go to the playoffs. It's a long shot. So I don't know. I don't listen. I'm not in the boardroom, and I'm not in the coach's office. I'm on. I'm on the plane with these guys. I'm on the bus from the airport to the plane, and I'm with these guys around the hotel and stuff. Uh, so I do maybe have a little bit of you know where I'm on the inside, but I'm not really on the inside per se. Okay, I'm not in the room. This is what I look at. I look at this and I say this. There's only two. Th- and the problem of a situation like this, sorry for rambling, but the problem of a situation like this is you're forced to kind of speculate. I'll say this. Right. They either have been, like, the GM and the coach and the regime have been told that they're safe, let's start the rebuild, or they've been told from somebody above, which would be Craig Reynolds, that we want to see who we got play these guys. And I don't think Craig Reynolds is that kind of guy. No, I, don't think, I don't think so. I think, I think he lets the, them run the football for sure. They're, yes, they're making this call the kind, on their own. Yeah, that's right. He's not the, he knows where his lane is, and he's not the kind of guy, Don, where he's going to say, you do this. No, so, I agree. And to me, then to me, I'm surmising these guys have been told they're back next year because what coach and GM in their right mind with a chance to win and make the playoffs, makes this move unless they absolutely believe that Mason yep. Fine is the guy. And then he yep. must have practiced like he was Troy Aikman, Joe Montana, Warren Moon, and Doug Flutie all wrapped into one. Because Cody or, uh, Mason Fine is 33 of 51 for 300 and some yards, two touchdowns and three interceptions. And I think he's ran for 21 yards. What in those stats told you that that's going to be your savior for the last two games? So I'm not quite sure what's going on here in terms of that. Maybe well, it's just as simple. Maybe it's just as simple as that, Don. I think they're, uh, I think want a long look at them uh, as they prepare for next season. I think ballsy, and I think this could be an indication starting to prepare for next season that the general manager and the head coach are back. That this could be an indication, and they're being told, okay, they may be back, but there's going to be a whole pile of changes to this football team for next season. We That's might as right, well start. Because you, you know what, Don? The football teams I've been around covering, watching, playing for, if you're looking to, if you, and I never played pro, but if, if you're looking to change some things, then you give guys like Mike Edom, Larry Dean, Cody Fajardo, Charleston Hughes, vet days on day one of practice. You want to see what you got in the mix going forward. We already know what those guys are, and we already have in our mind maybe where we're headed. I don't know. I'm just talking here. This yeah, is we're, just we're me speculation. Talking. It's all speculation. One guy, sure. one guy is 38, not what he was. So he's probably gone. 
One guy just turned 34, had a hell of a year, but he's fighting Father Time, and Father Time always wins. Talking about Larry D. Hell of a year for sure. Mike Adam, same thing. Had a great start to the year, but, you know, body breaking down a little bit. Maybe we're looking at changing out him. Uh, Cody Fajardo, how do you know that they haven't? I don't know. Maybe they've gone to his agent and said, like, Don, he has two games left before he's a free agent, before the playoffs. You know, they just they just inked up Zach Kalaros in uh, in Winnipeg. Jake Mayer got inked up in Calgary. Our guy isn't inked up yet. Maybe there's behind the scenes. Maybe they said to his agent, now nah, we're, you know what, no, we're not interested, or no, we're just going to wait and see. And now maybe there's just a... The, the one thing I don't like, and I will say this, at the expense, and I'll tell, I tell Craig this, and I'll probably tell him this next week. I'll ask him this question. Here's what I don't like about it or I didn't like about it. The vet day. You said it was a vet day. You should have just told everybody yesterday if you made the decision on Friday. You should have just told everybody yesterday that Cody wasn't playing. He's just getting a vet day. Because then everybody starts coming out. You know how they come out on social media? Oh, he's he's weak and he's this and he's that. And it's unfair criticism on Cody, in my opinion. And so I, that's the one thing I didn't like about this, how it was handled, in my opinion. Doesn't mean that I, I, I don't like the coach. I don't think he's a good coach. I'm of the opinion. I'm, I'm against the pitchfork people. I, 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 I see this as a, as a as I'm hoping it's a one-year down, downslide a little bit. But, gonna, I just want to ask I mean, you one question, and I, and I, I think yeah. I talked to you about this earlier. Uh, Dale Isaac and I were talking with a CTV sports legend who now lives in Saskatoon, and he felt that, and I never thought of this before, he felt that Cody was never the same since he threw the pick six in Wolfville that gave the Toronto Argonauts the last-minute uh, victory. Uh, that since then the team hasn't done well. Cody hasn't, you know, been uh, scoring touchdowns. What do you What do you think of that? Because I never thought of that before. Well, that's part of it. Maybe uh, he's got pulled out of a game before for Mason Fine. Um, we're going to find out something. It's going to be an interesting experiment on Saturday. Something very interesting to watch because there's a debate amongst fans, media. How much of the sacks are Cody's fault, and how much are the sacks of the offensive line's fault? Okay, exactly, yep. does Cody does Cody run into a lot of sacks? So we're going to see that on Friday. Can Mason find Saturday? Yep. Move, move, matriculate the offense down the field in a more in a smoother fashion, in a more uh, structured fashion. You know, Cody, I think a lot of times, and you can't blame Cody Fajardo. He's been beat up this year. There are three hundred pound men running at him. Uh, anybody that sits up there in section five hundred now, Cody Fajardo, when you get the money, when you get the bag of money, you get the you get the glory, and you also get the negativity. And that's one criticism I have of Cody. Cody, you're getting paid money. We don't need to hear about if you're upset or we don't need to hear you're the guy. It's my fault. I got to be better. It's my fault. I got to be better. Not good for my business because we want to hear honesty, but that's what you need. You got to have that tough skin. This is the toughest place to play quarterback. This is the Green Bay and the Dallas of the CFL. You got to be tough. Uh, but you're also the most glorified in the CFL when you do well here. Um, so, I, you know, I, it's going to be very interesting. I think Cody this year, he, his confidence is shot. Maybe, you know, like Dale, uh, 
astutely pointed out, maybe it was Wolf Phil. A couple was getting pulled out once. A couple was getting beaten around. He's ran into a lot of sacks this year. There are times when he could step up in the pocket and deliver the ball, but he doesn't seem like he's looking downfield. He's running around. I've never played quarterback in professional football, so I'm not going to say he. You know, I'm not going to be critical of him saying he's right or he's wrong. But he's not the Cody of 2019. Kind of fell off last year, and he's definitely not at the level you need to be a championship quarterback. But neither has the offensive line. Lately, neither has the defense. There's a lot of blame pie to pass around, not just to Cody Fajardo. Ballsy, uh, drive safely as you return uh, home uh, from North Dakota. You're going to be back in the big chair in Sports Cage tomorrow, and we'll be excited to listening uh, to you at 4 or 5 tomorrow afternoon for more of your take on this situation. Uh, have a have a good trip, and thanks for joining us, Ballsy. I'm listening, and everybody else should be too to the great Don Hewitt. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Ballsy. And Farhan Lodgy is on deck of TSN fame. Sports Cage continues and just... It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And we're back with Sports Cage and joined by Farhan Lodgy, of course, of TSN fame. Uh, Well-known in Vancouver because when he celebrated uh, anniversary working for TSN, they put him on the big screen of BC Place and he got a huge ovation from BC Lion fans. So, Farhan, you're, you're a legend already, an early legend yeah. in Vancouver. Yeah, it was, it was a sitting ovation, not a standing ovation, so that was good. <laughs> Now, I was going to talk to you about some other things uh, around the league to start with, but of course everything has changed dramatically here in Ryderville. As always, as always, Saskatchewan takes all the oxygen from the league. Yes, uh, well there's probably more, is there more controversy here than any other team in the league, do you think, Farhan? Well, this year, right? It's not an annual thing, and certainly, you know me, I I love Ryder Nation, and think that uh, the amount of attention and interest the team gets is a positive thing for the entire CFL, but certainly this year it's for all the wrong reasons, and uh, it's been a challenging one, especially in the year when the Riders are hosting the Grey Cup, and they're not out of it yet. I mean, they still have, um, they they certainly don't control their own fate, but, you know, there's, there's no reason to think that Ottawa can't win one of their games against Hamilton, and you could wind up in a situation with Calgary that if BC wins on Friday, Calgary doesn't have anything to play for. So we'll see what all of that looks like. But, um, yeah, he's certainly a surprise to all of us when the Riders decided at this stage of the season to make a quarterback change today. Yeah, I mean, was it shocking uh, in terms of, of, of your perspective? Or uh, with all the problems they've had scoring touchdowns, was it not shocking? Because I, I can't say really that I was shocked surprised but not shocked how did how did you feel yeah i was surprised i mean you know i, I hard it's hard to be shocked in, in this business but you know you're coming off a bye week Fajardo's that much healthier um you know you, you kind of know what the score is in front of you in terms of what you need and all of that uh, like i am a little bit surprised at this stage of the season that they turned to fine i mean they've seen fine a little bit in some small sample sizes so and he's been fine, but certainly not enough to blow the doors off you to think this is the answer at this point of the season. But I look, I also agree that this team needs more offensively. And you can sit here and blame the offensive line all you want, but you can't change five offensive linemen, right? Yeah. And and certainly I believe the, the organization from a personnel standpoint has failed in terms of how they've built that team and the depth that they've provided to it or lack thereof. 
But at the end of the day, here we are, right? It's the 18th or 19th of October. There's two games left. And they can't fix five offensive linemen. So if you can get your quarterback to get the ball out maybe a little bit earlier and try to be a little more consistent and accurate and efficient in your passing game, then maybe you do that and you can get a spark in a small sample size over the course of, of one or two games a year. And maybe you surprise Calgary because they don't know a lot of uh, about Mason and what to expect there. I, I don't know. So, I mean, you know, really it does – it does signal that, look, this team, you know, they desperately need something to happen, and they're not afraid to try something different to make it happen. And Cody Fajardo has been such a polarizing figure in Rider Nation, so you're going to get both, you know, you're going to get one faction that wants Fajardo, you're going to get one faction that wants anybody but Fajardo, and you're going to get a third faction that says, no matter who they put in, how can they function behind this offensive line? But um, I do applaud Craig Dickinson for having the guts and the conviction to make a difficult decision at this stage of the season. And it's very difficult. Now, you know, you, you have to wonder, you know, when you're trying to analyze this move, uh, whether it's possible that Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson have both been told they are back for 2023 and start building for next year. Because if, if Craig Dickinson wasn't back... Uh, why wouldn't, and he's still fighting for his job and trying to, to get his job, why wouldn't he, he play, Cody? But here's the answer. The answer is, I think right now, they they have lost faith in Cody Fajardo scoring touchdowns, and they actually think, as I said to Ballsy earlier, they actually think they have a better chance with fine possibly Saturday night. Yeah, or at least not thinking they have a worse chance, right, because of the way the offense has been playing, and that might be part of it. It's like, look, it, we don't know that Mason's the answer, but we know it's currently not working. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, and, and I think sometimes that, you know, that's uh, – it, it's not flawed thinking, right, that we can't – you know, what, what do they say? You, you can't keep doing the same things over and over and, and expect different results. I mean, definition of insanity kind of stuff here. And, and, again, I feel sorry for Cody, not because of the decision, but because of the line he's having to play behind – Right, and that's not easy for anybody. But you know, he's he's also a quarterback that takes a while to get the ball out. Right? He's got a bit of a longer release, and and you know, he I think he's been beat to the point where he, you know, sometimes it's hard to trust your reads, and you just want to really be sure a guy is open. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there's probably some of that, which is also extending the process for Cody a little bit. So you know, could a new guy come out and just think less and just get the ball out of his hands quick? Uh, you know, maybe you'll get that here, right? So I don't know that fine is is the answer. I just know that what they're doing isn't working, and there's nothing else they can really change, right? So, you know, you're not going to get Duke Williams back this week. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Jamal Morrow. But, the, like, the whole thing is it, it's tough right now. And, and, you know, even if you're the defense, you're feeling it because you're feeling frustrated at how much you've got to carry the offense because of how little yeah. things are happening offensively from a, from a bottom-line production standpoint. Well, Jamar Morrow is playing. They, they've said that, uh, no, he's healed up. He is playing. He hasn't played since August, but he will be in action on Saturday. So uh, I just wanted your take on, on what might happen in Ryderville. You, you have sort of the tandem of Jeremy O'Day as general manager and Craig Dickinson as head coach. Fabulous first year in 2019. Uh, you know, a first-place uh, finish uh lost the Western final possibly by a goalpost. Uh, everybody singing their praises. The next year, of course, we missed 2020. The next year, again, a Western final after beating a, a pretty good Calgary team in the semifinal. Another West final. 
that did go down to the last minute or so, just missing another Grey Cup berth as Winnipeg went on to win their second consecutive Grey Cup. So these guys looking really good. I remember talking to your colleague, Glenn Suter, the start of the year. He said on Sports Cage, I think Jeremy O'Day is the best general manager in the CFL. Then we have this mess of a season, uh, a terrible year. Uh, we don't have to go on about what's happened this year. So if you take a look at the whole situation, do you think that Jeremy O'Day and Craig Dickinson uh, deserved another year uh, in in terms of their body of work in, in three seasons? It's a tough question. That is a really, really difficult question. And, you know, I... Um... You know, I'll go back to when Mike Benavides got fired by the BC Lions, and, and, you know, Mike and I are very good friends, and you look at the way that season trended at the end and then eventually how they lost that final game. Um, you know, as much as I believe he was a really good head coach and not responsible, the way they lost that game, um, those are the reasons why coaches get fired, right? And so, you know, how do you gauge, how do you gauge Craig, right? Do you gauge him from the standpoint of, look, this offensive line – was decimated, which is a personnel problem, right? Like that's the, that's the GM in the personnel department, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's on you to make sure you've got some guys in the queue. And yes, I understand it's virtually impossible to replace Canadian linemen, but you should have, you know, an additional American lineman available that you can function with and tread water with, and they haven't had that, right? And, you know, the next guy in the queue in terms of a receiver for when you get some injuries at receiver, right? Like you look at the Lions this year, for example, and, Brian Burnham got hurt and Keon Hatcher came in and they, they proceeded just fine until Nathan Rourke got hurt. Right. And, you know, you look at a guy like, like I'll give you, you know, Brandon Zilster type of example that the year before Zilster was primarily on the practice roster. And then at the end he got activated for a couple of games. And then the next year he broke out. Like you need the next guy in the queue and the personnel department has failed to deliver that. Right. So on that standpoint, you can, you can single out, that side of the organization. But then when discipline becomes an issue and things like that, you know, whether it's the Marino situation or the Duke Williams situation or a few other things, you know, and the penalties that go with that, now you wind up looking at coaching. And I think, I think Craig Dickinson is a really good football coach. I think he's a good head coach. And I think he's a, he's, you know, a class individual that guys can, can rally behind. Right. So, um, you know, but, but I know that there's people out there who just look at a couple of those things and they want to blame him. And, you know, and that's fair, right? Like, I mean, those are things that, that coaches have to wear as much as I think of him. It doesn't, doesn't change the fact that those results are, are there and they're, they're attached to a coach. So at the end of the day, the story hasn't been written yet. It's not out of the realm of possibility that uh, Calgary can, or Saskatchewan can win two and Hamilton can lose one here. Right. And, and they can, they can find a way to get in. And then is the narrative different at that point, especially if, let's say the quarterback situation changes uh, the offense. And now all of a sudden people are saying, well, you know, Craig Dickinson had the courage to do this. And, you know, now the narrative is different. I'm also curious to see how much of a package deal they are, right? Like I could certainly see a scenario where um, Jeremy makes the decision on Craig and Jeremy gets to keep his job. I could also see that there's been so much pressure in Ryder nation to change it all that they decided to replace both and, uh, you know, along with the quarterback and just have a complete fresh slate next year because, you know, Saskatchewan is kind of that one market where, you know, pressure is heard, seen, and felt by yeah. those that are making decisions at the board level, right? So it could go a lot of different ways. I have no intel to suggest that it's going to go one way or the other. But you made a good point, Don, that the fact that they're making this decision, and while most of the decision at quarterback is based on now, they do also know that they want to have a look at this guy for next year. 
Does that tell us something? We'll see. Yeah, that's what I wonder. Ask, you know, Craig's looking at fine for next year. There's no doubt about it. And as I said, I, I think they actually think they have a better chance or they feel right now they have a better chance to win with them because they're aware they have to win this ball game. It's funny because everybody's talking about Hamilton, Saskatchewan. Hamilton, of course, after that big win in Calgary, obviously with a huge advantage, but everybody forgets about Ottawa. Ottawa almost swept Montreal. They were very close. If if Ottawa were able to sweep Hamilton, Calgary sweeps Saskatchewan, Ottawa's in the playoffs. That's mind-boggling. Could that possibly Isn't happen? It oh, it is. And they're playing good it's football crazy. right now with Bob Dice. Yeah, they are. And, you know, it's crazy to see. And, you know, what I saw, I was in Calgary for the Hamilton-Calgary game on Friday. And that second half, that was the best of Dane Evans. Like the game he played against Winnipeg when they won, and then that half, was the best of Dane Evans. And if he can bottle that up and repeat that performance, you know, they can, they can, if Dane Evans plays like that, they're in the Grey Cup. I'm telling you right now, Don, because, like, I'm not sold on Toronto and Montreal as the end-all, be-all. Are you? Right? No, I I think you're right. If Dane Evans, yeah, I agree with you. And and I'll take Hamilton's coaching over the other two teams all day. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if, if if you tell me the quarterback can perform like that, Hamilton's going to be in the Great Cup, but at the same time, you know, we haven't seen a lot of that consistently, right? So if Ottawa can catch lightning in a bottle, like, you know, like, it's possible, but I, honestly, I, I think that's obviously the longest of the long shots, but yeah. I don't think it's unfathomable that Saskatchewan can get in here, right? Like, it's not a slam dunk that Hamilton's going to take care of their business and, and go on their merry way and get into the playoffs. So, you know, I, I think that... Um, Saskatchewan, you know, this is a calculated decision that they believe that can help them get into the playoffs. And they had lots of time to think about it and look at film over the bye week and to make the call. But yeah, I go to the BC Lions now. If the Lions win in Edmonton Friday, they clinch second place, which would mean the game Saturday with Calgary and Saskatchewan would be nothing, would mean nothing for Calgary. But I, you know, hats off, I would say, to Lamar Doman, the owner of the Lions, for you know, possibly a good chance of hosting a playoff game. Uh, what an accomplishment f- for the man, really. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, he's been fully invested and fully committed. And, and you know, the, the decision was made late last season, right, as far as the ownership change is concerned. And that, that's carried into the off season. And, you know, there is more of a buzz and they are making a bit more of a dent. And, you know, the crowds haven't been great since that first game. But the last game against Winnipeg, I mean, you know, they announced 24,000 probably closer to 22, which is still a pretty good crowd compared mm-hmm. to what they've had this year. And if they can have some success in a playoff game and, and Nathan Rourke can get back in the lineup and, and give them that chance, um, you know, it, it could really be a good springboard for them going into next year. Of course, depending on what happens with Rourke and any potential NFL interest. But yeah, he, you know, we need more of Amar Doman's type of ownership, guys that have genuine passion, that are willing to invest, that are willing to spend money to, to change the brand and to change the narrative and to eventually make money, right? So uh, I give him a lot of credit for, for what he's doing and, you know, and hopefully some of the other owners in some of the markets that uh, aren't succeeding as much can take a look at this and decide that, yeah, even in a big market where it hasn't been working for a few years, if we invest, the people are still there. I agree with you totally. Now, we do know that the Western semifinal will be B.C. and Calgary. Uh, that's a fact. If you were a betting man, what would you bet in terms of Nathan Rourke playing in that semifinal? A lot, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, I, I would bet. 
I would bet quite, a, you know, I said last week it was less than 50-50. But then after talking to everybody involved over the weekend, uh, I'm there would have to be a setback for Nathan not to play in the regular season finale October the 28th in Winnipeg, right? Oh, really? I fully expect, yeah, like I fully expect Nathan to play now. I don't think he's going to play the full game, right? A lot depends on what happens this weekend and what there is at stake for BC. But I do think he'll play a quarter in that game uh, on the 28th. And, uh, and then I think, he, um, again, barring a setback, I think he'll be starting in the Western semifinal and prepared to play the full game against Calgary. So, you know, next week will be a knock the rust off kind of exercise. And like I said, if BC wins and the home field is already in the bag and they don't have to worry about it, I don't think they'll do too much. But he's doing more and more. Uh, I watched him in practice yesterday. He was significant steps ahead of where he was the previous week. Wow. He's cautiously, you know, ramping up his activity. And next week, he's expected to be a complete full participant in practice. So I, um, I absolutely believe Nathan Rourke will play in Winnipeg and will be the starter against Calgary the following week. That is incredible. Well, good news for the CFL because all fans, including Rough Rider fans, really enjoy watching him play. And it'll be interesting to see. There's some speculation that he, he could be back in BC next year, not in the NFL. That's uh, something we'll have to talk about uh, at another time because we've got to go far on. But thank you very much for joining us. Sports Cage continues in just a moment. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. It's now time for the luckiest fan contest. You could win a fabulous weekend at the Grey Cup and many other prizes. But here's the key word. The key word is lather. Uh, lather. Sort of like the rider kicker, perhaps, if you're thinking about how to spell that. Why not text us that key word at 306-936-6262 on the Capital GMC text line. Lather. And you could be heading to many prizes, including a good time at the Grey Cup. Let's check out our texts right now that uh, Nick's just passed over to me. Eli, well, he says, I'm afraid that Mason Fine is going to get sacked a lot on Saturday. I'm sure Cody will be back in the game by the end of the first quarter. Jason from Balgoni, if you listen to Cody's interview, he pretty much said he is done here. He already hopes that another team wants him. Seems like they have told him more than he has let on. I wouldn't count out Bo Levi to the Riders next season. Dave says this is the Riders letting Bo Levi know that he's wanted. Fine is just in the moment. Kelly from Pinoca, Alberta. Classless of the Riders to make for Jardo as the scapegoat. Way too late to save the season. Nothing is saving O'Day or Moss. Desperate men do desperate measures this team is a train wreck. And those are the texts we're getting. Uh, some of the nicer texts, perhaps, at times. But here's my take. I, I, I suggested yesterday, I think Jeremy O'Day is back as general manager over the body of his work after a disaster season that it has been, but overall, in his three years, and I guess you could count four, he's been the GM, because even though they didn't play in 2020. But over his body of work, I think he's back. Craig, I'm not sure. Uh, but I think that's what's going to come down. I also think there's going to be a lot of change in the rougher organization, like a ton of change. And what I was saying yesterday in Sportscape, you can still have a lot of change in this organization without replacing the GM or head coach. I mean, the change is right there today. It's there on Saturday. 
with Cody Verjardo not playing in a critical game for Saskatchewan. And, of course, Mason Fine coming in because the bottom line is the Riders know they have to win this game. And they think right now that they have a better chance with Mason Fine. I think the key will be having patience with Mason Fine. That'll be the thing. If he has a few early struggles, let him go because that's the only way they're going to get a read on him, possibly for 2023. Sports Cage continues. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Don Hewitt. And we're back with the cage. Ballsy back in the big chair tomorrow. Coming up later on the cage, we're going to talk to the voice of the Calgary Stampeders, Mark Steven, and get his take on the big news today that Cody Fajardo will not be starting at quarterback uh, Saturday night against Calgary. He will be replaced by Mason Fine. Jason Manity of GetFishing.ca uh, joins us at the bottom of the clock. We're going to talk about some fall fishing tips and what we have to do to get ready, maybe even for ice fishing. That's sadly coming up very shortly, I would think. And then the voice of the Regina Rams, uh, Daniela Ponticelli is going to join us uh, a little after six, and she's going to be reading a lot of Twitter uh, and letting us know what Twitter is saying about the big decision to replace Cody Fajardo as the Rough Rider starting quarterback. We'll also talk to Daniela about the University of Regina Rams. And everybody who's uh, texting into the luckiest fan, here's how you spelt Lather. L-A-U-T-H-E-R. L-A-U-T-H-E-R. So if you've spelled it incorrectly, text us back at 306-936-6262 with the correct spelling, L-A-U-T-H-E-R, to be able to win that big Grey Cup prize package. Okay, up next, Sean Kleisinger with Where Are They Now? They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? Another installment in the Where Are They Now segment here on the Sports Cage. I'm with Canadian Football Hall of Famer, College Football Hall of Famer, Georgia Sports Hall of Famer, two-time Grey Cup winner, Tracy Ham. Tracy, it's been about a year or so since we've caught up, so for our listeners and myself, uh, just fill us in on what you're up to here in uh, the year 2022. Well, hey, Sean, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I am in Statesboro, Georgia, which is just west of Savannah, Georgia, uh, about, probably about 45 miles from the coast. Inland, and I am a senior social athletic director for my alma mater, Georgia Southern University. Um, I work in um, our programming for our student athletes that essentially uh, get them ready to conquer uh, this big old small world after they leave college by understanding how to network with their uh, alumnus base um, and understand how to, um, um, you know, just get in the organization and. And work their way through an organization by understanding the organizational chart within the organization. Nice. So, yeah. I'm enjoying it. A lot of fun. You get to watch a lot of sports. 
Um, and so I supervise three sports as well. So um, in the college environment. Man, you sound like a busy man. So you're uh, east of Atlanta, a little north of Jacksonville, and south of Charlotte, if my geography yeah, serves, right. serves me correct. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> is it Falcons country, Jaguars country, or Panthers territory where you're living, or uh, is it a little bit of both? Well, it could be all of the above, right? You yeah. know, my son, who was born in Atlanta, is a Jaguar fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other son, who was born in Savannah, is a um is a Falcon fan. So it's kind of what's your flavor? Uh, we sit right in that trifecta where you can get to Florida, Georgia, uh, South Carolina relatively uh, easy, Alabama. All those are really, um, those states are really close to get to. We border Florida and South Carolina anyway, so yeah. it's easy to get to those states. So have you been to an NFL game in person as of late? Do you ever like take a Sunday with the family and take in a game, or is it just like relaxing on the couch type of Sunday? It's more of your jam, if you will. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing that you ask because I'm going to the Dallas-Detroit game this weekend. We have a group nice. of um, former uh, Baltimore Stadiums group that get together every year. Oh, no way. Uh, some guys that, and so we'll go out there. We'll meet out there. He works with the – um, he works with the Cowboys in the strength condition department. And so we'll, a few guys come out. It's probably about 20 of us to get out there and enjoy our weekend and kind of hang out. That's kind of what I, one of the things we've done. Uh, this will be my first one encounter with them, but they've done it over the last few years. Oh, that's, that's really awesome. So nice. a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah be a lot of fun. Nice and fitting that we're chatting once again right around uh, CFL playoff time. Tracy Ham, you won the first ever Grey Cup with those Baltimore Stallions. Uh, first ever Grey Cup game. Uh, hosted here in Regina back in 1995. Uh, fast forward 27 years, Regina, they're getting set to host their fourth ever Grey Cup game here on November wow. 20th. Yeah, so I know you're a busy man, but have you had a chance to catch any CFL games on TV uh, TV this season down south? I, I caught a couple of early games, but I have not as late. But um, I tell you what, just going back to Saskatchewan hosting, mm-hmm. uh, that was one of the, you know, I had been to a couple in Vancouver, uh, and so coming to Saskatchewan, coming to the Regina province was a really unique experience. Um, and the reality of it is we wasn't worried about the weather. And the weather uh, played a factor, but it, to us players, it really wasn't a factor. You know, obviously it wasn't a kicking game. And, you know, I thought Doug threw the ball, threw the win. And I thought, you know, we give, but look back at the game, a lot of points were scored going against the win. It really didn't matter whether you win or against the win. It was a case of um, – we really wasn't worried about the conditions, but, you know, we know that the Prairies can get uh, some difficult conditions this time of year. But in that Grey Cup, you really don't even think about what the conditions are. Uh, and what a great time it was out there. I thought the uh, city of Regina and Saskatoon and all those guys did a really good job of putting everything together. And I thought you guys had a great, a great Grey Cup back just to start it off. And I don't know what people thought before, but it certainly was a big hit for us as players. Yeah, it's, it's kind of sad, though. Uh, the old Taylor Field, it was demolished a few years ago, so currently it's just an empty parking lot when you drive or walk by. So the house that you won the 95 Grey Cup in, uh, Tracy Ham, is no longer physically there. Does knowing that bring any type of emotion out of you or no? And now, uh, look at <laughs> First of all, I didn't like playing there anyway, but <laughs> since we had to play there, no, what a great fan base, right? We we guys uh we guys have a lot of fun, but you guys have a great fan base and that's what it's really about when you know going into certain ballparks. It's gonna be a, a rowdy crowd and 
I was I was kind of indifferent about the Great Cup there because I didn't know what the fans were going to do. I know they had a hard time rooting for Calgary, mm-hmm. but then they had to side with the country. So I thought it was a uh, I thought they was entertained to a really good football game though. That's really you, you Baltimore Stallions had just such nice uniforms. I remember that the helmet, the jersey, <laughs> the the pants. Did you ever uh, get to keep, like keep any of uh, your jerseys or helmets uh, going back to your CFL yes, playing days? I definitely, yes. I I've got that championship jersey frame, the Great Cup with the Great nice. Cup logo on it. Oh man! And you know what else I got out of John? I bought one of those. I was able to auction off the. You know they auction off those sweatshirts. Oh yeah, with. The days, 365 days, yep. they allowed me to purchase um, 008. Okay. So I was able to get 008 as, uh, as um, it was pretty kind to me and what I had to pay for it. So <laughs> Yeah, that's good, man. I'll tell you what, yeah. we have a, uh, when was the last time, by the way, you've been up to Canada and Saskatchewan? I have not been in quite some time. Yeah. I've been in Saskatchewan. I'll tell you what, man. Love to have you in Regina here. We have a brand new stadium. It's kind of like right beside the old one. I'm sure you've probably seen pictures or seen it on uh, TV and stuff. But uh, and next time you're at Saskatchewan, man, come and see our Rough Riders play. They're kind of struggling right now. The Rough Riders. We kind of pretty much need a win out to make the playoffs more than likely here. So uh, it's not ideal to be uh, in this position in the uh, Grey Cup year. But I'll tell you what, Tracy, thanks for, for taking a few minutes out of your day today and uh, joining us here on the Sports Cage. Hey, Sean, I appreciate, you. I appreciate you guys having me. Tracy Ham, Canadian Football Hall of Famer, joining us here on the Where Are They Now segment. Not every day you get to chat with a Canadian Football Hall of Famer, a College Football Hall of Famer, and... Georgia Sports Hall of Famer Tracy Ham, what a legend at the quarterback position he was up here in Canada. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Uh, thank you very much, Zinger. You bet. Tracy Ham, one of the few quarterbacks that I've ever seen that started his career running, running, running as a quarterback, basically a running quarterback, not that great at passing, and then ended his career pretty much as a pure pocket passer. That's very rare. And Tracy Ham did it. Need new flooring? Well, Floor Coverings International at the Design Hub brings the showroom to you with thousands of samples. Visit FloorCoveringsInternational.com today. And as Zinger said, don't forget that Sports Cage is brought to you by Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and they'll match your first deposit of $25 to $250 on deck. The Dean of CFL Radio Broadcasters, play-by-play man, Mark Stephen of the Calgary Stampeders. We're going to ask Mark his take on the big news out of Ryderville today that Cody Vajardo will be replaced by Mason Fine, uh, Saskatchewan starting quarterback when they play Mark's team, the Stampeders, Saturday night at Mosaic Stadium. Sports Cage continues. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And we're back with the cage. Let's check out the Capital GMC text line. Allison from Sherwood Park, Alberta. We are fans of Cody Fajardo. I feel disappointed for him. Why not start him? And if needed, put Mason in. I'm driving seven and a half hours to be at this important game as we still have a chance to make the playoffs. Go, Riders, go. Well, Allison, hopefully the team wins for you. That's the main thing. And that's from Allison from Sherwood Park, Alberta. The Dean 
of CFL play-by-play radio broadcasters is Mark Stephen. 26 years as the Stamp voice. He became the voice of the Stampeders in 1996, and he was reporting on the Stamps, I think, four years prior, right, Mark, at Cure 77? Yep. So you've been around yep, Stamps a long time. Yep, seen a lot of Stampeder stuff. You got that right, yeah. You bet, and you're in the Hall of Fame. You were also the voice of the Western Hockey League's Calgary Wranglers at one time for many years. You were the play-by-play voice uh, for the Calgary Cannons, who at the time were in the Pacific Coast League with, uh, and were the AAA team for the Seattle Mariners. And now, of course, long-time uh, football play-by-play man with the Calgary Stampeders. I just wanted to ask you before we uh, check in with you about the Cody Fajardo story, uh, in terms of what is the hardest sport to do the play-by-play uh, for? I mean, you've done hockey, you've done baseball, and football. Is one harder than the other? Probably baseball because it's uh, much slower paced. There's a more continuous flow of action in hockey uh, or in football and, uh, you know, lacrosse and things like that. It's more continuous flow. So from that viewpoint, uh, you know, there's a lot of gaps you have to fill and uh, make sure that people, uh, you know, are kept entertained. It's not the easiest thing to do, but that's the big challenge to uh, make sure that, you know, you keep things uh, moving even when a game slows to a crawl. Right, that's interesting you said that because as a man that's done baseball play-by-play like yourself, does it make you appreciate the late Vin Scully even more? Oh, totally, yeah. To to be able to talk and entertain people like that for almost three-quarters of a century. And, you know, there's a lot. I know he cut back his schedule towards the end, but you still do an awful lot of games, and you're on a huge stage like the Los Angeles market. You bet it did. It was an amazing, amazing feat that he did for all of those years, and uh, I can hardly believe that he was still going it uh, when he finally retired, like 90 or something like that. It was unbelievable. Oh, he just... Vin Scully, one of my heroes, no doubt about it. Now, we'll just end uh, with a quick baseball note before we get into football. Of course, the Phillies and the Padres, uh, what happened in that Philly game? Did they win it? I'm looking at, uh, I don't know what the score was. They were up in game two. And, of course, the Yankees playing in Houston tonight for the ALCS, uh, in the ALCS. So what do you think? Who's going to win the World Series? Well, I can tell you that I, I think and I hope the Yankees will get out and win the American League because I don't want the cheating Astros to do anything. Uh, as far as the National League goes, I mean, that one is really close to call. But I just think San Diego has a deeper lineup. I know the Philly pitching has been very good. So I'm looking for a San Diego-New York World Series and the New York Yankees to win it. as They haven't done that oh, since, cool. uh, I think, 2009. So right. there you go. 7-4. I just checked the score for San Diego. So they're going to likely tie that series. Do you think the Yankees, because they were facing sudden death twice and won both against Cleveland, do you think maybe a switch has turned on or they're playing better under pressure now than playoffs in the past? That's exactly what I think. They saw, you know, the other side of the cliff there, and they didn't like what they saw, so they turned it on and uh, knocked off a Cleveland team that I think exceeded all expectations. I think there was, uh, you know, hope for Cleveland to become a better and more competitive team, but I would say they're probably a year ahead of where they envisioned, but uh, full credit to them. But Yankees roared back and did the job, so congratulations to them. Okay, now you you know all about the news here in Ryderville as you prepare to fly into Regina 
on Friday as your Stampeders take on Saskatchewan Saturday night in a pretty big game for both teams, possibly, and maybe not a big game for the Stampeders at all. But uh, what what's your take on the fact that Saskatchewan has replaced Cody Fajardo as the starting quarterback for Mason Fine? Well, the whole thing, uh, I mean, I'm not there, so I, I don't want to know all of what's going on. The whole thing seems a little bizarre. Um, why was Cody Fajardo held out of practice in the number one slot uh, you know, uh, yesterday, and then all of a sudden today he comes out and starts talking about where he's going to play in the future. I mean, there are two games left with the Rough Riders. I mean, I recognize their chances of making the playoffs are, uh, you know, the uh, splitting hairs to make it. I get that, but they still can make it. And he's talking about what's going to go on in the future that he's not wanted there. Uh, I, I don't know. Is there some? I don't know if there's some miscommunication there or lack of messaging. I guess I just compare it to one other big quarterback switch this year when Bo Levi Mitchell was removed from the starters role. Have you heard anything about that? Not a word. I mean, they handled it, realized it was a big move. So it's the whole thing seems odd to me. Uh, maybe I'll go and uh, find out more when I get there uh, on Friday. Yeah, you probably will. Now, when you heard, you know, Cody's clips, uh, what Cody said today, how did that, how was that different from what Bo said when the same thing happened to him? Well, uh, first of all, Fajardo basically is, uh, you know, looking ahead, getting outside the dressing room, trying to find another job. Bo didn't really say, you know, that I'm going to quit or leave the team or forget about it or talk about next year. I should acknowledge he was in midseason. He just said he's disappointed. He doesn't agree with it. He's going to, but he's going to work with Jake Mayer to be a, a great quarterback to help out the team and, uh, take the team as far as they go in 2022, whatever that may be. So I think he, uh, you know, handled it uh, certainly much differently. Now, at the end of this season, is Bo gone? Is is he gone for sure from the Stampede organization? I'm pretty sure he's going to move on from the Stampede organization. Can't say for absolute sure, but probably so. But I'm not 100% sure he's even going to play next year. I, I think, I don't think it's out of oh, the yeah. question. He might just retire he's very uh, you know established here and i would say there's a possibility that they could but uh he'll probably want to play somewhere else next year yeah, i would think so but uh i think his time with the stampeders is through i mean they're giving jake Mayer the big money as of next year so you can't have two big money quarterbacks on the roster so i think that uh, is the symbol of what they're going to do yeah we'll see what happens bo has expressed an interest in a broadcasting career so we'll see how that here's that plays out. I thought he was pretty good on the great, great Cup last year, yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, and he's, he's got little daughters in school. So, uh, you know, it was not quite as easy to pick up and move around. Uh, we'll just see where it goes. But, uh, yes, I think he's coming down the home stretch in his time with the Stampeders. Now, as you know, uh, on Friday, if BC wins in Edmonton, that means that uh, you'll be playing, as far as the Stampeders are concerned, two meaningless games uh, against Saskatchewan because uh, as of uh, Friday night win by BC, you will be in third place and heading to Vancouver for the Western semifinal. So how do you think, if this game means nothing to you Saturday night, how do you think Dave Dickinson will play it? I think he's going to play it out totally. He was uh, uh, not very happy after the loss to Hamilton last week. So he wants to get all the kinks removed, get them back to playing football at the level they think they can. So I think he'll just play it out, uh, you know, as if it was first place on the line as opposed to getting ready for uh, game 17 and a playoff date in Vancouver a couple weeks later. As for the game here, uh, the final game, game 18, I'm more inclined to think that he might uh, more freely substitute players, uh, you know, say, 
save some for the playoffs. But no, I I get the sense he's going to just play it out in uh, Regina on Saturday. And mm-hmm. uh, if it's uh, you know a victory, great. If it's not, just as long as they're playing better. I think that's the uh, attitude he wants to take because, as I say, he was not really impressed with what happened against Hamilton. Well, so maybe he wants to straighten some things out. Uh, you know, after that Hamilton game, it's interesting because when I take a look at this matchup with Calgary and Saskatchewan, what I see is the two sort of weaker areas for both teams is the secondary. Like I look at the Stampeders, I think that's a rock solid team except for their secondary. Then they gave up that drive with a minute to go. Do you do you see this as sort of a battle of not the greatest secondaries in this game? Well, it's probably part of it. Yeah, the uh, Rough Fighters have had some troubles there as well. The Stampeders, uh, they uh, haven't really intercepted as many passes as they want. That's one reason that, uh, you know, the secondary has been exploited. They've given up a lot of yards. They've got a lot of knockdowns. But, yeah, I think that's fair to say that the Stampeders secondary, uh, you know, needs to play better. It's been in constant flux all season long. I think it's going to be the same lineup this week for the third consecutive week. In the secondary, I guess we'll find out for sure later in the week. But it's been a problem. You know, they lost uh, an all-star like Trey Roberson. But they got to play better, too, and uh, uh, get some continuity. And uh, that's going to be certainly one area they'll look at tightening up because Tim White, you know, caught a, a Hail Mary pass yeah. in triple coverage at the 12-yard line with just seconds to go last Friday. So uh, that, was, that is an area of concern for sure. Now, the game likely will be played in some rain. That's the weather forecast right now. It could come down to some running attacks. Jamal Morrow back for Saskatchewan. But I'm going to ask you this because I think they are number one. Is Kadeem Carey and Peyton Logan, are they the best one-two tandem in the CFL right now, do you think? Yeah, I think they are, no question about that. Uh, just one little note, uh, Logan did nothing today. He had an ankle injury he suffered in the Hamilton game. In fact, it wouldn't shock me if he was on the sidelines on Saturday, but that means they'd bring in Diedrich Mills, who also had a big game earlier this year. But, no, I think Logan uh, is a very good player. He'll probably be Calgary's Rookie of the Year, and I think Kadeem Carey is going to be Calgary's MOP. He's had a fantastic season, and he's uh, honed in now on trying to win the league rushing title. Right, uh, two great backs that John Huffnagel has come up with. Now, we started talking to you about baseball. I remember when you used, you even had Ken Griffey Jr. at the Cannons, didn't you? The Hall of Famer, 22 years in the Major League Baseball. Didn't he, wasn't he through Calgary briefly on his way to the... Briefly, Bears? very briefly for an exhibition game, but not much more okay. than that. So he was, okay, uh, very briefly. Yeah. Okay. Edgar Martinez and Alex Rodriguez are probably the two biggest names oh, that okay. came through here. And they were big stars. So we, we oh, yeah. started talking to you about baseball. The meat of this has been football. So why not let's end with hockey? The three sports okay. you've done play-by-play with. The Calgary Flames look darn good. Uh, can the Calgary Flames win the Stanley Cup? Because some people think right now that they can. Oh, I do. I think they're right in the mix there. I don't see a super team that's uh, uh, steps ahead like Tampa was for a couple of years there. So I, I do think you've got to put them in the conversation. You know, they got to get by Edmonton to get out of here in Colorado eventually. But uh, no, I think they're right there in the conversation in a year where there isn't uh, one clear-cut team leading the pile. So very exciting. Uh, as you say, they're off to that really good start, a 3-0. and zero. Big win uh, yesterday, uh, you know, over the Vegas Golden Knights. And they got Buffalo and Carolina the rest of the week and a real home heavy uh, front part of the schedule here they're home uh, pretty much for the rest of the month so yeah I think they can get off to a good start you know those points uh, in October and November they come in really handy down the stretch yeah I do think they can win it all and uh, you know lots of time to go but uh, so far so good 
Okay, Mark, thanks for joining us on Sports KJLC on Friday at Boston Pizza. You, okay, we will. Okay, sounds good. Okay, thanks see you later, call. Mark. Uh, just one more text to read. Uh, Bradley says, may as well start Mason fine like they're doing and see what he's got in a pressure game. You can always put Cody back in. Hopefully it's not too late. Uh, well, people don't know Mason Fine. They're curious. And, you know, when I when I look across at my crack operator, Nick Kazmar, the pride of Ituna, Nick, what do you think of this this move? You're a Rough Rider fan. What do you think of the Cody Fajardo, uh, Mason Fine move? It's very interesting, that's for sure. I mean, in this time of year, week, uh, what is it? It's week 17 right now, two games to go. It's, uh, it's putting it on the line kind of move and uh, could cost some jobs, you'd think. But right. uh, you never know. I mean, they've kind of made their bed right now. May as well see what happens with Mason Fine. Well, one thing we do know, you mentioned jobs. There will be some jobs yeah. lost. Uh, I, again, I'm not thinking it's necessarily O'Day and Dickinson, but there will be jobs lost after this season within the Rough Rider football organization. Certainly some players are going to get two things. Some players, A, an apple, <laughs> B, a roadmap. Yeah. I mean, you know what? On that note, let's talk fishing after the break. Sports Cage continues. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And we're back with the Sports Cage. And joining me is Jason Mattity of GetFishing.ca. I love going uh, fishing with Jason. He's He knows it all about fishing. He's like a walking encyclopedia on biology and fishing. Now, the good news and the good part of fishing with Jason Mattity is you just sit in a boat, do nothing, and catch fish because you know he's so good at catching fish. Jason, welcome to Sports Cage. Thanks, Don, for having me on. I'm going to throw you a, a wild one here because I know you're a Rider Seasons ticket holder. I'm going to start a quick football question before we get into your fishing tips. What did you think of the move with uh, Cody Vajardo being replaced uh, by Mason Fine Saturday night against Calgary as Saskatchewan starting quarterback? You know, I, I, I think it just came as a surprise in the sense that, uh, you know, Dickinson has been fairly, you know, loyal and, and say we believe in our guys. And considering the game at this point is still very much, uh, you know, a meaningful game for them mm-hmm. to try to squeak in no matter, even though the everything is against them. That, that's the part that kind of caught me by surprise. If they had been eliminated already, I think it would have been more expected but uh going into next year i think we need to know and this is probably what they're thinking even though i have no idea is that they need to know if mason fine is coming to training camp next year and he's got to show something because otherwise he probably won't be so that's probably what's going on but uh, it, it it definitely is a bit of a head scratcher in terms of the timing okay jason now let's get back to the meat of the matter fishing and, you know, the weather's changed, the leaves are falling, it's very crisp, it's cool. It's a different season. The last time I talked to you was in the middle of the summer about fishing. So what is fishing like in Saskatchewan uh, at this time of the year? Well, you know, Don, it, it could be really Jekyll and Hyde in the sense that it could be 20 degrees outside that we're experiencing today. And by the end of the weekend, it could be snowing in 4 degrees and very much setting up for a winter-like uh, you know, conditions in terms of that. And we all know that winter's coming. But what uh, is fairly consistent about this time of year is that the fish know better than we do that winter's coming. <laughs> They're cold water species. So yeah. 
they're the ones who have to live outside <laughs> in water that can go down to four degrees Celsius. And they have to figure out how to get through that before they can reproduce in the case of pike, perch, and walleye that are spring spawners, uh, you know, in the spring. So what does this mean? Well, it means that they are hungry. They are packing on the pounds. It is buffet seasoned on, and they're trying to get as many calories as they can uh, Mm. to, to get themselves through the winter and sort of nourish and develop those eggs. Interesting. Yeah, I can see that. Now, why is the fall of this time of year, why is it... One of the best times, or maybe the best time, uh, to catch the biggest fish that swim in your local lake or river. Well, for for the fact that you know, as the water cools, their metabolism drops, which means they become less active. And right now, they know they got to pack on the calories. So, what does that mean for the biggest fish? Well, they're the ones carrying the most eggs. They're generally female fish. And when I talk about eggs, when they drop them in the spring, when they spawn to make more fish is that they're looking for big meals and they're hungry and they're aggressive and they're coming out of the woodwork to get their mouths around anything that they can. They don't know the difference between a lure and a, and a fat, sassy minnow or, or basic. <laughs> so yeah. if you get out there and you get your lures in front of them, uh, you got a really good chance of catching some really big walleye, perch, and pike. Right now, very warm September. It seems these days like September is almost a summer month. It really does. And and what what is this prolonged warm weather this fall meant for fishing? Well, there's kind of good and bad parts of it. The good part is for guys like me who like to keep his boat out until the bitter end, <laughs> it's been wonderful to, to get out. A lot of the summer crowds have, have left. They, you know, they, they put the boats away. Kids' activities have started with school. So you often have a lake to yourself some days. Uh, out there. So, so for the angler in my comfort level, it, it's incredibly wonderful. Um, it does, however, mean what we've been experiencing with these warmer Septembers we've been having is more algal blooms, green water, uh, mm. dirty water at the lake. That's kind of unpleasant. In fact, sometimes we have to hose down the boat and the trailer because it looks like I dipped it in green paint. Now, why is that bad? Well, because as that dies and falls to the bottom, it uses up oxygen over the winter. And we're having more blooms now than we've had in the past. So that, that's, that's the downside. And what it means for the fish, the walleyes don't seem to mind it that much because that algal bloom uh, kind of cuts down in the light. And what it could mean is fishing could be good throughout the day because they have that kind of darker water that they mm-hmm. can hunt very well and, and, and bite all day. In Clear Lake, sometimes it's a, it's a dawn and dusk thing. So that part, I guess, is good. The comfort level and the fact that those fish still really seem to be eating. Because as the water stays warm, Don, their metabolism stays higher. So that means they'll stay active a little bit longer. Right, that's very, very interesting. Now, say I have a boat, as most fishermen do. What do I need to do to get it uh, ready for winter? Well, you know, it, it does depend a little bit on what kind of boat you have. They tend to come in sort of two versions, one with an outboard where you see the giant cowling on the back of the engine. Uh, that's an outboard. And then you have an inboard where you don't really see it because it's actually inside the boat down below. Now, inboards uh, take a little bit more effort to winterize. Now, what winterize means is you got to get all the water out 
and make sure that nothing freezes because it could blow serious parts of your engine apart when it drops to minus 30, minus 40, depending upon where you're storing it. So inboards need a certain procedure where you remove uh, all the water and put antifreeze and stuff in there. I'm fortunate I have an outboard. All I really need to do is make sure that my engine is tipped down properly in in the up-down position, not tilted upward, so that I drain all the water out when I'm done. Uh, the other thing that is a good idea to do, though, is uh, I, the type of engine I have, um, you've got a lower gear case at the bottom where there's oil, gear oil. I will drain that and put fresh oil in, a, in my very last trip of the year. And the reason is, is because if any water gets into that part of the engine, again, when it drops to that minus 30, you could do serious damage to the lower unit. If it freezes and there's a lot of water in there, you can blowing apart, which is a very expensive fix that you don't want to have to do. So it's those basic things with winterizing. And I guess the final thing I'll say is that a lot of people recommend fuel stabilizers uh, and filling your tank right up if you've got a kind of boat that uh, has a built-in tank. And filling the tank up, what that does is it minimizes condensation from the drastic weather temperature change we're about to have between now and spring. And it also allows uh, the, the gas to stay fresh longer. Uh, and so basically you dump it into your tank, follow the instructions, run your boat back and forth on the lake, and then you're good to go. Uh, and it's been stabilized, more or less, for, for the winter months. Okay, great information. Really uh, charting a few things down myself. That's Jason Mattity of GetFishing.ca. And hang in there, Jason. We want to keep talking about fishing right after this break. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. And it's Don Hewitt back with the sports cage filling in for Michael Ball. Uh, Ballsy will be back in the sports cage big chair tomorrow in his rightful place. Let's check out the Capital GMC text line. Uh, We've got a text from Greg in Regina. He asks, Don... Do you think the Ryder brand isn't what it used to be? Seems like the team has taken a huge hit this season. Not sure how many free agents would want to come here. Well, that's an interesting question with the Ryder brand. First of all, I think a few individual players who may have hurt the Ryder brand this year will be gonzo. That's number one. Uh, I think anybody where there was any antics involved will be... uh, Apple and a roadmap time. That's what I think is going to happen because I, I do think Jeremy O'Day will be back and he'll be saying goodbye to these folks. I'll be going elsewhere with other players. I also think this about the Ryder brand. The Ryder brand doesn't do great sometimes when the team is losing. The Ryder brand is probably the best brand in Canada when they're winning. It's a fabulous brand. So I think what the deal is, you get out there next year and start winning There'll be no issues whatsoever about the Ryder brand. It'll just be go Riders. Let's go in 2023. So let's go back to Jason Mattity of getfishing.ca. He's a little humble about his football knowledge, but he texts me quite a bit, and he's, he's smart. Jason knows his football. He gets a little frustrated, overly so at times. But otherwise, he's a knowledgeable football man. But Jason, you're here to talk fishing, I think. So, what 
types of things does a fisherman need to be thinking about, Jason, uh, with sadly, and good and bad, the ice fishing season uh, being right around the corner? Well, you know, Don, and, and that, that's a really good time to, we finished up the fall. We talked about how great it is at this moment in time. If you can get out before the weather turns, I recommend it. Especially, and I just want to mention this too, for the shore angler, a lot of these fish will come in shallow again because the water cools off as the weather cools. And you can get giant fish from shore. Mm. Uh, so that's a good thing to remember too. You don't have to have a boat to be successful this time of year. But we know it's coming. We know ice fishing's coming where I'm going to have to slice holes in the lake to get access to the fish. So there are a lot of things you need to do. You, you, we use shorter rods in the wintertime. We don't need long rods because it's not about casting a distance. You're literally opening the bale, sending that bait down the hole or to the bottom. So you want to make sure that as it's cooling off, and but it's still comfortable outside, if you're using some of those reels from your uh, open water gear, those longer rods, Mm-hmm. Get them in, you know. Get them under the shorter rods. Do your transition of that uh, while it's warmer. Change your line. Uh, you know, the summertime was really hard in your line. Uh, pike teeth. Uh, you know, maybe nicked guides can can fray your line. So just mm-hmm. put out the expense and get yourself a new fishing line and start out the ice season right with that. Uh, make sure your auger starts. Make sure your blade. If you've got a power auger with an engine on it. It's not going to, if it doesn't start now that it's above zero, it's certainly not going to start as when it's minus 20. <laughs> That's for sure. Make sure your blades are sharp, um, you know, and, and just make sure all your gear is good and ready to go so that when we get that good blast and thick ice coming up in the next six to eight weeks, uh, you're ready to go. And you're not doing this when it's minus 20 in your direction. Right now, some people are wondering, you're talking fishing on sports cage. Yes, we are, because fishing is a sport. And a whole pile of folk in Saskatchewan fish. How many people fish in Saskatchewan, Jason? Well, you know, there are, it, it, it's, it's estimated that there are a quarter of our population or more actually get out there with a the rod and rail. Now, mm-hmm. statistically, it's hard to pin that down because anybody under the age of 16 or anybody over the age of 65 don't need a license. So it, it's hard to keep track of those folks because it doesn't pin in the government database as somebody who has a license, right? So, but we know that we're pushing to close to 200,000 people with licenses. We have people from out of province that come up here and ice fish too, Don. The places in the yes. States and Manitoba and neighboring provinces. So we're looking at 250 to 300,000 people who get out. And the thing about winter, uh, you know, the part I didn't talk about is with, there's been a huge evolution in portable shelters and, portable heaters and underwater cameras and electric augers and yeah, all crazy. these things, people just go out, enjoy being on the ice. I mean, we have a long winter, as we know, in Saskatchewan. And if you're not into hockey and you want to get outside, uh, you know, it's a great, wonderful activity to get out there. And, and as I say, with all these new tools and technology, it's made it even more fun and easier to get out. You know, sometimes you wonder, is the technology fair to the fish, Jason. Uh, does the well, fish have a chance with all these cameras and all the sonar and whatnot that you, you can use in a boat these days? Well, you know, it, 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 it's a very interesting question, and it's certainly an ethical one, too, in a lot of ways. So the technology continues, Don, to get better and better and yeah. better. 
And uh, the fish, it's becoming more difficult for those fish to hide. Um, so I think what we need to do, is, first of all, for all the listeners out there, you don't need all this stuff. No. That's going to catch fish. Yeah. But you certainly on those days where they're being finicky, where they're being a challenge to catch, no doubt it helps put fish either in the boat or on the ice. So I think what it, what we really have to do is is use it as an education piece in terms of learning how the fish react and where they hang out and those types of things. But we have to, you know, make sure that we don't overfish spots, mm-hmm. uh, that we don't... Uh, you know, keep too many fish. I mean, there's limits for a reason. Uh, and, and that we're, we're, we're uh, very, uh, we have a lot of responsibility with this technology that we're, because it's gone from the days, an old friend of mine used to say, we'd go out for eight hours, we'd look for fish for seven, and if we're lucky, we caught fish for an hour of those eight hours. Now, yeah. we're looking for an hour and we're catching for seven. Like, that's <laughs> how good the technology is, yeah. you know, to help us with these things. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, that, and it's really important though, that we, we limit our catch and we make sure that, uh, you know, we don't beat up on them too bad, you know, and, 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 uh, and you know, it, it's important to be responsible with it. I think, you know, some of the deepest sleeps I've ever had when I'm just knocked out, absolutely cold tooth, two areas I was at where that happened, camping on the ocean in a tent and you just go so deeply asleep. And number two, going home uh, and going to bed after a very crisp day on the lake ice fishing, you're knocked out, Jason. And the next day, you feel like you feel miraculous. You feel so good. Well, you know, there, there is something to be said for getting, particularly in the wintertime, getting that fresh air into your entire body, your uh, circulatory system in your lungs. Um, I think it's tough with the recirculated air of the furnace and stuff to mm-hmm. not get that good stuff into your body. I think oxygen is very important, as we know, for our overall health. Uh, but just the activity, the fact that, you know, you're the thing I like about fishing, Don, is you're burning calories <laughs> just trying to stay warm up there. Yeah, so, you know, sure. it's... It, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that I think it, it, it is really good for your for your physical and mental health to, to get out there oh, and, totally, and enjoy totally. it and, and just enjoy this incredible creation we have in Saskatchewan. And as I get older, I need the odd extra layer ice fishing. Hey, we got a we got a text here in the text line, Dan in Yorkton, and he says, "Thanks for having Jason on to talk fishing. Saskatchewan has plenty of great fishing spots like Fishing Lake." I go every summer and winter. Thank you to Dan. Uh, Fishing Lake, do you like Fishing Lake, Jason? Fishing Lake is is an incredible place. In fact, on a pike over 40 pounds was caught there back wow. around 20, 2008, 2009. And uh, it, it, it's got some real monster fish in there, but it's this beautiful gem up in that sort of Wadena Foam mm-hmm. Lake area. And uh, if you ever have a chance to go and check it out, the the fish, there's nice big uh, pike in there, and there's some really nice eating sized walleyes in there too. And it, it I, I agree with you with with the texture. It, it's an incredible place. Now we just have a minute or two to wrap up, Jason. Just want to ask you one last question: What in your long fishing career has been your best experience fishing? 
Oh boy, that is a really that's a tough one. I I I've been fortunate to have so many experiences. Uh, I, I think one of the ones that was really awesome, and I, I can't 100% peg it as the best because it, it's. I have one A, B, C, and D probably, but uh, going up to northern Saskatchewan as a young man, as a guide, helping people catch fish in this beautiful, pristine wilderness where there's nothing around but you and nature, and then having the opportunity to go back uh, and, and do some filming up at a place in Black Lake by Stony Rapids, literally mm-hmm. at the top of the province, um, casting for grayling and... Uh, giant lake trout, huge pike, and uh, it, it's just such a beautiful, enriching experience to get up there. If anybody ever has not had the opportunity, I, I highly recommend a trip to northern Saskatchewan, particularly in the summer when the weather's nice. Uh, that that was, was pretty cool to be able to experience that. Jason Maddity of GetFishing.ca, thanks for joining us on Sports Cage. For sure, Don, and I just wanted to mention very quickly, we have also redone our website, and we got a really cool new look that'll make it a lot uh, cleaner and modern, and uh, the viewer to the website will just be able to navigate a lot easier, too. So please check that out at getfishing.ca when you get a chance. Thanks, Jason. Have a good evening. Sports Cage continues. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Don Hewitt. And it's Don Ballsy back uh, tomorrow. Sports Cage is brought to you by spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and you'll receive a free $25 sports bet. Now, let's head over to the text line, see what Pat from Saskatoon has to say. And she says, the Riders quarterback move won't make a difference. Hamilton is going to win before the Rider game starts. This is just a cover-up for management trying to save their jobs. Uh, Of course, if Hamilton wins, uh, the Riders actually still are not out of the playoffs if they win against uh, Calgary. We wouldn't be in this position if O'Day and Reynolds took care of the distractions earlier in the season. This is a bad look for the green and white. Well, let's stick with football with the voice of the University of Regina Rams, Daniela Ponticelli, uh, who is also, of course, the host of the Rough Rider pregame and postgame shows. And uh, Wes Cates and I tag along with her. And Daniela, uh, we're going to talk Rams in just a moment. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when you heard that, that Cody Fajardo would be replaced by Mason Fine as Saskatchewan starting quarterback Saturday night against Calgary? I think like a lot of fans. Also, hi, Don. Great to chat with you. A little strange to not be yeah. sitting in studio with you, but I'm looking forward to Saturday's game and, and doing it all live from the stadium. But right. I think like a lot of Ryder fans, I was surprised by this. I think the part that was a little bit <laughs> that really I had a hard time wrapping my head around initially was, you know, why why say the vet day yesterday? Why even have that discussion, have that moment with the media uh 
in that I'm talking about head coach Craig Dickinson here saying that only to then go, oh, just kidding. We've known for a while now that we're going to be starting Mason Fine. So I, I think that was just where I was scratching my head. I, truthfully, Don, this was surprising for me too because the messaging that we've heard from the team, it seems all season long is that we stand by our guys. We stand by our guys. And, and it's kind of knowing when that, when that switch is going to happen. I, I, I think back to, you know, our issues at right tackle. That took nine weeks before a personnel switch was made there. Uh, how about the, you know, Garrett Marino incident? And then it took however many weeks after that, and suddenly there was a personnel change. And I'm not trying to bring up those, those old skeletons. I'm just trying to say it, it's an interesting decision to be made because it seems as though that's a little bit been the trend with this team is that we stick, we stick, we stick, we stick until all of a sudden, nope, we're just, we're just changing it. And it's a weird, it's a weird way to operate. It's almost as though, you know, if if it was more of a situation with Chris Jones, where you know that he swaps in and out personnel all the time, you're just sort of braced for that. It doesn't feel that way with this riders team. So it just felt like a really abrupt about face um, considering that the talking points and the messaging has always been very positive and very much that they have the backing of the, of their players. Now you are an expert on Twitter. You're an expert on social media because <laughs> when I'm sitting beside you, uh, you're, you're a whirling dervish on your cell phone. That's the best way oh. to describe it. And I'm slower than molasses. So I always have to get your help with anything like that. So, <laughs> I asked you earlier today if you could sort of monitor Twitter uh, with the reactions about the quarterback change in Saskatchewan this afternoon. So uh, why don't you read a pile for us, uh, Danielle? Go ahead. Yeah, I was able to. I just did a quick check-in and said, hey, Ryder Nation, what's the pulse? How are we feeling about this this in and out? I mean, this is something I can only imagine is going to dominate discussion in our post-game Sports Cage Radio Roundtable, Don, on Saturday as well. Uh, and again, so much will be determined after this game, and we'll see how things go. But here's what some folks have to say. Matthew McGilvery on Twitter wrote, Worst decision ever. We need a better O-line. Cody has been doing what he can back there while he's being sacked for, I'm sure, a CFL record number of times. And when he's not being sacked, he's at least being pressured. That's from Matthew McGilvery. Then folks like Derek Casada says, Fine has never started a game and has shown nothing in the opportunities he has been giver, given. All I will say to that, Derek, and I mean, I'm not countering anyone's opinion. These are all just people's opinions on Twitter. Uh, responding to my call out for everyone's feelings on this, uh, you know, in, in the opening hours of this being uh, the decision that was made. But Fine did have, I, I would say, his pivotal moment that stands out for me now it did happen at home, and that's why I remember it so vividly, being on the sidelines. But that Week 11 matchup against BC, and he was called in to take over the offense in the final drive just of the second quarter, and he went on to complete 16 of his 26 attempts uh, for 210 yards mm-hmm. and a touchdown. Now, that was a loss in the end for the Riders, but it did show that there's something there, and clearly enough for um, the coaching staff now to feel like, okay, let's see what he can do with a start. Then Michelle Steinle writes on Twitter, I have little faith Mason Fine will be the spark they need. I do feel like if Cody goes somewhere else, he'll light it up. will be big shoes to fill. And I think, 
I don't know about other Ryder fans. I feel a little bit the same because we we saw what happened with Zach Galeros, right? Like, it's, it's hard not to feel a little bit like, oh, gosh, what if? That being said, there's still a lot of people that, uh, you know, feel like this might be the best move. This is what you should be doing. Uh, Jamie writes on Twitter, don't like it. Feel like we're throwing in the towel. Hope Mason does have some magic. Just feel like Cody was our best chance to win. Brad Jameson says, time to see what we've got. Cody is not the answer. Let's see if the backup can play or not. Oh, and it's so tough, Don, because it just goes on. And then, uh, you know, other t- the tweeters like Nicole Stroud writes, it is what it is, but Cody Fajardo is my guy. Also doesn't fix the O-line. O'Day is praying for a miracle and trying to save his own. And that's it. So... There's there's a lot. Obviously, these are opinions that I'm sure people have been sharing as well. I've I've heard some of them on on the sports cage today. It's just a very divisive time for this kind of maneuver, I believe, considering the the high stakes. And there are high stakes because the Riders are not out of the playoffs. They are not out of the playoffs yet. Right. Well, I look at this in very simple form, very simple terms. And that is uh, the Rough Riders have not been good in the red zone. They've been terrible. They yeah. don't score touchdowns. This team, ladies and gentlemen, does not score touchdowns. And at some point, uh, you know, you've got to get some production to get balls into the end zone mm-hmm. or you're going to continue on with seasons like this. And who's who's to blame for it? Is the O-line? Is it Cody? Is it a receiver? I mean, Duke Williams has been the biggest bust, to, I think, of the year in the CFL. Uh, $225,000 a year. He swings some helmets in Nova Scotia. He takes penalties when he's in civvies on the sideline. And he has, a, yeah. I guess, a sprained ankle that never heals. I mean, there's been lots of individuals that have uh, disappointed this team. And I'm not saying that Duke Williams purposely disappointed anybody, but there's been a lot of disappointments uh, on this team. Uh, and that has to be corrected and changed, and I think it will be. Uh, there's going to be some lots of change regardless of whether or O'Day or Dickinson are back. Uh, but I think if they are back, they're going to do a lot of changes uh, anyway themselves. But I think the bottom line is I honestly believe the coach when he says this is based uh, strictly on results and scoring touchdowns and scoring. And they're not doing and, I mean, it. And Don, that, that's it. Don, we yeah, we've talked at length about this, not only with fans on the Sports Kids Radio Roundtable, but within our pregame shows. I mean, just the, the numbers don't lie. Three games this season where the Riders have scored 30 or more points. Ooh, that's a, that's a pretty low bar. And, I mean, they won those games, which was great, but that's three. That's three out of, well, now heading into game 18 of the regular season. So that just, it, it, you're completely right. I mean, you're the professor, as we call you, and you know the numbers really closely. And you're any time you get into the red zone, and that's the fear, too. It's how do you become a championship team if you can't score in the red zone? When you're given the opportunities, when the, when the defense sets you up, that has been the story of this team. And that's the part that just, it makes you nervous when you're, when you're thinking, oh, wow, we have to get two more wins, a must-win situation. And we do know that even if we do win twice, but Hamilton does as well, it, it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter for the playoff picture. But it sure would go a long way, I think, with Ryder Nation, with the confidence in this team and coaching staff to get those two wins, no matter what 
the postseason picture. Well, I mean, Calgary's got a pretty good defensive front, and we're going to mm-hmm. see how uh, Fine handles the pass rush uh, compared to perhaps how Cody handled the pass rush, and that, to me, is going to be one of the more interesting aspects of Saturday night. Do you have a raincoat, Daniela? Apparently, it's going <laughs> to rain on you on the field and in me in the stands. I'm- yeah, I, I will be there with my trusty poncho, which I have worn all for one quarter of football this entire season, and it was just a sprinkling from the sky at that point. But yeah, as, as I said, my ultra-ego poncho celli yeah. will come out. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the poncho when it comes to <laughs> the downpours. Hopefully it's not too bad. But that will be something interesting, too, with this aspect, considering this week of practice it's looking like really nice weather in Rider Nation, Don. I was at practice today, and it was hot. It was really, really hot. So it's going to be a big change of pace for Saturday. Right. You know, Danielle, if you could hang on the line, because I want to talk U of our Rams with you after this quick of break. Can hang on? You bet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sports Cage continues. And just- Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. And on you at back with the sports cage along with uh, Daniela Ponticelli, uh, the voice of the University of Regina Rams. And uh, while you're getting down to the end of the Canada West regular season, Daniela, how have you enjoyed doing the Ram play-by-play so far? It's been an incredible experience, Don. It really has. And uh, just a learning experience for me. It's such a pleasure to see a passionate team, a young team as well, when you consider Noah Pelche, the starting quarterback, is in his first year. To get to witness his rise and his growth has been phenomenal. It's fantastic to share head coach Mark McConkie's first full season as head coach. He was interim last year, and mm-hmm. last season really did not go well for the Rams. But, you know, one in five, no playoff picture in sight but a chance to really reset the culture of the team. And that's really what Mark McConkie has done with a lot of help. Uh, Some really great coaching staff as well. But um, overall, it's just been incredible to see how they've developed as a team and as a unit. And it's going to be hard for this team at the end of it all this year, because so many of their great veteran players will be moving on. Hopefully, People we can talk about in the CFL next year. I want to see Ryder Varga, middle linebacker in the CFL. He was the third-round draft pick for the BC Lions, and BC would be nutty not to consider having him not in their ranks, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think Ryder Varga will play in the CFL uh, absolutely for sure. I mean, freshman quarterback Noah Pelche, I know he had three mm-hmm. picks in Saskatoon, but he gets rid of the ball really fast. He's going to be a great quarterback when you, when you look at the future of the Rams at that position. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, that, so it was, a, it was a close game. Let's just recap quickly. Close game on Saturday against the Huskies. Huskies are second in the country as of today, as of the U Sports standings. Uh, I think these might be outdated, so who knows? They might be straddling the line there, but guess who's at the top of the U Sports national rankings? That's Last year's Vanier Cup winners, the Western Mustangs, Mm -hmm. also undefeated. And then uh, the Huskies themselves, undefeated now, 6-0 on the season. They've clinched up a home playoff game, no problem. They're good to go. They'll be playing November 5th, Saturday, November 5th. The Rams will also be playing Saturday, November 5th. It'll just depend where. Uh, A win in their next two games will, will lock up a home playoff game for them anyway getting getting distracted here it was another close game 23 20 the first time huskies rams met it was 11 
10. But what was so impressive, Don, was this massive 16-play, 93-yard drive late in the fourth that had not one, not two, but four successful third-down conversions. I mean, this is stuff that we don't talk about in the CFL, really. (laughs) Um, And that included Noah Pelche's one-yard plunge for the touchdown in the end. He then ran it in himself on the two-point convert, which was just amazing to see, uh, and that got them to within just three points. Then, Don, then, let me just tell you, then they decide they're going to go for an onside kick. How many times have we seen this in the CFL? And, I mean, when it's Brett Lawther, sure, you feel really good about it. Well, how about someone who's been working with Brett in Aldo Galvin, and he gets a perfect onside kick recovered by Jackson Ford, grandson of Al Ford. I mean, Jackson, he climbed the ladder. It was like a scene from a football movie, and it was beautiful. And then, unfortunately, Pelche's very next pass ended up being intercepted, and that, that got it really for the Huskies. It, it wasn't scored on after that point, but that was enough for them to keep the lead. But what we saw there, even in that heartbreak, was like glimpses of a really smart quarterback, glimpses of a really smart coaching staff that are going to stick together and work with this young quarterback through the years. And it's just, it's exciting overall for Regina, no matter what happens this season. And they still have, uh, you know, a lot of football left to play. Well, Jackson Ford has some pretty good genetics because grandpa Al, uh, mm-hmm. Daniela was a fabulous football player for many years uh, for Saskatchewan. Later, of course, the general manager, Al, played on that 1966 team for Saskatchewan mm-hmm. and won the first ever Great Cup for the Rough Riders. So uh, good genetics there. I hear nothing but good things. You know, I, I was just uh, 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 perusing, you know, you're talking about the Ram players in the CFL, uh, perusing what they've done. You know, it's crazy, but the Rams have placed five players in the NFL, which I don't know if other, uh, yeah. you know, uh, teams can can boast that in youth sports. John Ryan, Brett Jones, Stephen Jones, Hakeem Hicks, and Tavon Campbell, who just signed a couple of days ago with the Raiders in Las Vegas. They've had 77 former Rough Riders came from the Rams. 77. Yeah. Uh, former you know, former it, it, Rams played really... for the Rough Riders. And 76 former mm-hmm. Rams have played for other CFL teams. It's, it's, they've got a crazy tradition. They really do, and I mean, I mentioned Ryder Varga, but Riley Borsma, who also has been phenomenal, and he just, he's a shapeshifter out there. He can just fill whatever role you want to give him. Oh, he's a wide receiver, or is he a running back? What do you need from him? He'll do it all. He'll do your kick returns, he'll do your punt returns. Uh, He's just a jack-of-all-trades, and um, he's he's a tremendous athlete, and he played in the Ryder's preseason now it makes sense to see that a wide receiver maybe didn't stay on for the full roster this season when they're still use sports eligibility given how deep mm-hmm. the receiving core is already for the riders but yeah i mean he he'll be the first to tell you that that experience really shaped him and, and helped him come out very strong and uh, and then unfortunately kyle borsa running back who's phenomenal he's had two training camps with winnipeg blue bombers hopefully Hopefully that might work out for him, but he's, he is battling an ACL injury this season. So an unfortunate turn of events, uh, as the sport sometimes does, but that might not be the end of Kyle Borsa, right? So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But either way, I mean, there's just so much talent. And that's just three. That's just, I mean, I'm, I keep thinking about Aldo Galvin himself, the kicker, the kicker punter. He's been oh, having big an amazing season. Yeah. 
there's room for some more kickers in the CFL. You know, like this is good, right? This is really good depth. And he's a global player. He's from yeah. Mexico City. He's going to get a job. It's, I it's think it's got honestly. all the makings of what the CFL is supposed to be. Okay, you got one minute. Uh, left, Danielle. Okay. So the Dinos upset Alberta last weekend. So the Rams have to be ready to go into Calgary this weekend. Yeah, they definitely do. Of course, the first time they met was the home opener against Calgary at Mosaic Stadium. That was September 9th, so early, early on in the season. It was a 32-24 win, though, for the Rams, which is very promising. But you're right, Dinos did upset there uh, last week. So Rams will be back on the road. Game is Saturday. It kicks off uh, one o'clock in the afternoon, okay. and then of course the Rams finish the regular season October 29th at home against Manitoba. Good information about the University of Regina Rams. Thank you, Daniela, for joining us. And I guess uh, Wes, Cates, and I will see you uh, Saturday at Mosaic. I think we're on what two o'clock for the pregame show. Two bells, I think. Yeah, we are. So, uh, and that, just a quick little programming note, if I still have a second here. Uh, so the riders, of course, will be on 620 CKRM. You can flip and, and listen as well to the Rams call, which I won't be calling. I'll be covering the riders. But the Rams call will be happening as well. If you're interested in having a, a second station kind of playing, it'll be on the web feed of the um, uh, of the website. So if you go right. to the 620 CCRM website, that will be there. So all of all the coverage will still be happening. Uh, it's just unfortunately it's happening at the same time. So there's there's ways to deal with it. There's lots of great football. That's all you need to know. Yeah, you're going to have online options. You can listen to the Rider game online, or mm-hmm. you can listen to the Rams. Pretty good options if you're a football fan. Daniela, have a good evening. Thanks a lot for joining us. Oh, thanks, Don. Okay, well, that's it for another exciting edition of Sports Cage. Thank you to Nick Kazmar for doing a great job on the board. And, of course, as I said several times tonight, Michael Ball will be back in his usual uh, hosting chair tomorrow on Sports Cage. Have a good evening, everybody. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKR.